Come and dream with me. Hello and welcome to What Do You Want to Watch? The Explosion Network, the premier media podcast. Every fortnight we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content and help you answer the question, should DreamWorks really have stuck the boss baby and the trolls in the animated logo card? Not really. Not a good idea in my opinion. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. No, they shouldn't. Next question. <laughs> Why do you think they even changed it? It's like they've had such a perfect one for so long. Why? Right. They're trying to EV. They can't build a, a, a multiverse, so they're trying to build like a, a big, you know, brand. Like they, they want, they want that Marvel like logo. You know, like they want that 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 factor of oh yeah, all the DreamWorks thing. But no one watches, no one watches DreamWorks movie, and it's like, man, DreamWorks movie. Like, a lot of people watching a lot of these movies probably don't even realize they're made by DreamWorks, you know what I mean? It doesn't have the Disney factor or the Marvel oh, factor. Oh, Pixar, like. yeah. Yeah, Pixar. Like, just, like, no, no offense to DreamWorks, but... <laughs> it's just, just what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know? I did think it was very weird. It ends on track, which I guess is their, like, big moneymaker and what they built their brand off, yeah. but... Uh, but they haven't made one in 20 years. Yeah. It's been Whatever. forever since they made one, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look forward to watching that in front of DreamWorks movies, I guess. I, I think those should all just be very short, you know. That's the key to a good title card and a thing. Especially when you got to sit for like 16 of them in a row. Yeah, just make it short and sweet and then, you know. Or have a cool one where you can do different variations. Like, obviously, like, Warner Brothers, the logo gets... They can do different color variations for whatever film they're going to do. Or, like, I remember, like, the Universal logo with the obviously earth <laughs> and like uh scott pilgrim it's like six bit or whatever leading into that film and that kind of stuff yeah that's stuff's cool but nah or even the marvel logo though i tailor it to whatever they need to but this no nah. my favorite like stinger logo things is actually the blumhouse one yeah which i don't know if you know but like it's the it's a camera going into a house and it's like panning around all corners of the room, you know, it's a scary girl yeah. in the corner and like all these other things, yeah. Yeah. It's not that long, but it's just like memorable. Mm. All right. On today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we're discussing uh, what's our watch history. We're giving some thoughts on different news stories, uh, giving some thumbs to trailers and giving you our top threes. Yes, there's multiple top threes. Uh, but first, there's a bunch of stuff that we've already done content for. Uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery released uh, for one week in cinemas. Probably out of cinemas by the time you're listening to this. Unless you're listening to this podcast on the day it releases, the morning releases. Uh, then in that case, there might still be time for you to go see Knives Out. Run to, uh, to the see uh, Glass Onion. Uh, otherwise, you'll be waiting till December to see it on Netflix. Uh, but of course, this is the latest Benoit Blanc mystery. Uh, this time he goes... Uh, to an exotic island with a bunch of eccentric uh, new money people uh, who have a murder mystery party planned, but then murder happens and Benoit Blanc has to help solve it. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of this Knives Out sequel? Loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Uh, if you like the first one, there's no way you don't like this. Whether or not you think it's a little bit better or a little bit worse, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I feel like if you like the first one, you like this. Uh, it's just as written as well. It's got as, as interesting cast of characters. It's just put together 
you know, from start to finish with that same sort of Ryan Johnson pace and um, craftsmanship that he's sort of become known for and um, really good twists and stuff in this as this one plays out. Um, some wild performances, like not in a bad way, but just like some really lively performances by people, which is really, really good. Um, laugh out loud, funny, um, super entertaining. Loved it. One of the best movies of the year for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know if I love it more than Knives Out or not. I I probably need to do a rewatch of Knives Out, which I'll probably... I'll be doing one on the 23rd of December. Yeah, do them back to back. Is that the plan? No. Oh, no, I thought you just meant the new one. Like, I'll be watching the new one. Then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I meant, I meant Knives Out. I don't think I've... I don't know if I've actually watched, I watched it, it since. I watched it what, cinema? on TV like a month ago, I think. Mm. And then I watched it prior to that, what, like, last year? The, yeah, so I've watched it a few times. Okay. Uh, but yeah, great mystery, fun twists and turns. Uh, each of the characters is very... Most of the characters are super memorable, I would argue. Um, and yeah, it's fun to see Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc plays more of a, uh active role in this one. I feel like where it kind of felt like it was a passive character or, a, like in Knives Out, but or he feels more of a lead than he was in Knives Out. You know what I mean? Mm. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's really great. We can all look forward to the third one that's going to come out eventually. Apparently, Brian Johnson's already writing his note cards about, <laughs> about it. So uh, yeah, more Knives Out. Excited for that. Uh... Star Wars Andor came to its conclusion this past week. Uh, a show that we've been talking about over on Holocron entries. Uh, of course, following Cassin Andor in the years prior to Rogue One uh, as he joins the Rebellion. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on the first season of Andor? Absolutely fantastic. One of the best shows of the year. Um, the best Star Wars Disney Plus show by far. And my favorite Star Wars content we've had since The Last Jedi came out. Um, it's just very, very well written. Um, really, really great performances, nuanced characters, uh, not a reliance on dumbing down stuff for the audience. Uh, it's treated like, it's written like a, just a good political, rebellious drama just set within the Star Wars universe instead of writing for the Star Wars universe, which I think is the, the key sort of factor um yeah i absolutely love it i can't wait to watch it again yeah i agree it's probably one of the best tv shows of the year um it is a brilliantly told story that's like got these fantastic arcs over its 12 episodes uh nothing it doesn't it never feels overstuffed or anything which is we feel like isn't or stretched out which has been a common complaint with a lot of these uh disney plus series uh this feels perfect in every single way i've gone back and watched uh different speeches that people have gotten just different moments from the series um over and over again it's like uh it's incredible what they've been able to pull off and you know uh excited that they've just started shooting season two season two probably early 2024 so i mean that's a bit of a disappointment that's so far away um but yeah just the the ride that we went on these 12 episodes and like being in this community that's like trying to spread the word about Andor this past 12 weeks telling everybody hey i'm really glad that we we're there on the ground floor like <laughs> uh because yeah there was definitely there's definitely an element of uh 
Star Wars, uh, you know, oversaturation. People have been let down. I don't feel like it's oversaturation. I feel like it's lack of content that's grabbed people is the thing. Yeah. Uh, At least with the last two series. I feel like if it was all this good, I'd I'd find it hard to get oversaturated. I'd just be like, fuck, we're living the dream. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, because people were a little bit burnt by, felt burnt by Obi-Wan. Definitely felt burnt by Book of Boba Fett. Uh, but this is just gold from start to finish. Uh, and if you haven't watched Andor, go check out Andor on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic. Uh, and of course, you can check out our episode-by-episode discussions of Andor over on Holocron Entries. Over on all-new Marvelcast, we just discussed the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Specials. This is a new Christmas special on Disney+, Plus, starring the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but mainly focused on Mantis and Drax as they go back to Earth uh, to find Kevin Bacon to bring him back to nowhere to give as a gift to Star-Lord. And of course, shenanigans ensue as they have to deal with other humans uh, and struggle with the concept of Christmas. Uh, I thought it was a delight. It's like one of the highlights from Marvel this year. Um... It was a great chance, a showcase for Mantis, who was probably a character that's kind of been uh, definitely not at the forefront of anything, uh, and someone that we haven't really seen much of since Guardians of the Galaxy Two. She's kind of been in the background as like a occasional Joker in the back in the cast of uh, the different Avengers and Thor movies. I guess this she's been in like three different movies since. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but yeah, this is a, the best performance she's given so far. Um, yeah, I, I really loved it. It was a lot of fun. Great soundtrack, lots of catchy songs, uh, both original and, uh, of course, sourced by James Gunn. Um, and definitely has me super excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, but Jim, what do you think? Uh, we're on a roll today because love this as well. Uh, absolutely fantastic, really great. What a time to be alive! Special, right. yeah, I know we're living at the moment for, for stuff to watch. Uh, really great, absolutely laugh out loud moments from start to finish. Just a great forty minutes. Um, I highly suggest watching it if you at all enjoy life. All right. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can listen to our spoiler cast over on all new Marvel Cast. Then over on a new Christmas podcast, a very explosion at Christmas, uh, we've just started watching the Santa Clauses TV series. Uh, so the first three episodes are up now on Disney Plus. Uh, of course, this follows Scott Calvin's uh, Santa Claus from the Santa Claus series of films, twenty uh, something years after the last one. Uh, his kids are all grown up, uh, and he's starting to, you know, starting to get a bit old and. His magic is starting to wane, uh, and he contemplates retirement uh, from being Santa, uh, which would require him to find a successor for himself. So uh, that's what the series kind of uh, follows. Uh, you get to explore a lot of his stuff with his children, uh, with Mrs. Claus, and it just raises a bunch of questions about uh, the Santa Claus that we've raised uh, about the movies. Like, what happened to all the other Mrs. Clauses? Were they sad when the other Santa Claus died on the roof <laughs> before Scott pulled the suit on? Uh, yeah. all, all, a whole bunch of questions. How do reindeer fly? Lots of questions being answered. It's a lot of fun. 
Uh, but Dylan, what are your thoughts on the Santa Clauses? Yeah, someone who really has a big nostalgia factor for like growing up watching this, uh, the first movie and then the other ones like a little bit, but mostly the the first one. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I don't think it's like this, you know, like fantastic show. But I think if you have if you have any sort of love for that franchise, which I do, it's just enjoyable. I enjoy these characters. It's just like simple, fun Christmas. It reminds me of it reminds me of Christmas time because it's the, it's the Tim Allen Santa Claus character. So I am de- yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, I mean it's it's a fun time. So uh, yeah, check out our episode episode breakdowns of each episode over on a very explosionary Christmas. Uh, over there, we've also done the spoiler cast for Spirited, the latest uh, a new Christmas movie released on Apple TV+, Plus, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds, Octavia Spencer, and Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell plays the ghost of Christmas present, uh, who says about haunting uh, Ryan Reynolds' uh, terrible PR guy, who's, you know, just a generally terrible, selfish dude. Uh you know, and things the haunting does not go as planned to put it briefly uh also a musical Dylan what do you think of Spirited <laughs> also a musical uh we're taking a turn down because yeah I hated this uh I really really disliked it I didn't have a good time at all I fast forwarded parts to sort of get towards the end whoa uh, I didn't know that uh yeah, yeah like I, was, I fast forwarded like five minutes at one stage because I was like fuck I just get through like I really disliked that was a pivotal movie. five minutes no, yeah, I, it's probably it's probably the I don't know maybe it's hyperbole. I'd have to like actually look for everything, but I think it may be the thing I dislike the most this year. Wow. Yeah. So. I definitely didn't like. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely liked it more than Dylan. Uh, you know, it's sure it's Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell being Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, but they're very good at being Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. So. Uh, you can't be too upset about that. Um, I think it's the concept behind the film is very interesting of uh, it being much in, like it being a produ- an actual production or stage play that they kind of put on every single year. Uh, so they have to do a bunch of research and build a bunch of props uh, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, I-, I found it quite interesting. I think some of the songs are quite catchy. Uh, uh, to Dylan, I say to you, good afternoon. Good afternoon. <laughs> uh, and then over on a very explosion over Christmas, we also discussed uh, Christmas with the Campbells, which follows uh, a young woman played by Brittany Snow. who gets dumped by a boyfriend just before Christmas, but she goes and spends Christmas with his parents anyway, because reasons. Also, Justin Long is in the movie and he has a weird accent, <laughs> but he also has a dog. So it even it kind of evens itself out. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on Christmas with the Campbells? Yeah, so we're going to switch this time because I actually enjoyed this one. Not, I didn't love this, but um, I think it came around like it, it took a dip into bad and it came back around so bad it was good for me because uh, I was finding a lot of enjoyment out of the Justin Long's terrible accent and a bunch of other really just over-the-top sort of sex jokes in a, <laughs> in a Christmas family movie. Uh, yeah, the easiest description is it's like got a very basic-ass Hallmark um, Christmas movie but it was co-written by Vince Vaughn, so it's got a lot of, like, just very bad, simple sex innuendo and jokes in it. But somehow it comes together, because I get to hear Justin Long with his terrible accent go, you'll come around and do this, so get out of the car, Polo. <laughs> hey, hey, Polo, and this cute dog. Ah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, this is a nah for me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I struggled to sit through it, and... 
sure, there's some fun uh, innuendo. Some of it's a little bit clever, uh, but there's no real story to the film. There's no... It's just very generic and basic. And uh, my my suspension of disbelief was broken in the first five minutes. And it never got me back from there. So, uh, yeah. Listen to our episode of A Very Explosion Over Christmas uh, to find out why. It's very short. So, you know. Go give that a listen. Uh, all right. Let's move into some stuff that we haven't talked about somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> uh Dylan, you've been watching the first season the second season of White Lotus. Yeah, it's really good. Um the so the connecting factor is um uh Jennifer Coolidge's character from the first season is uh in this is in this one as well. She's just visiting a different country and um attending one of the White Lotus hotels that are that's in a different country as well. Um, otherwise, there's nothing really that connects this at all to the first one. Thematically, it's just a bunch of people staying at a hotel and you just like very much like the first season. It's, they've all got these, their own little stories. And so the first people, uh, first group of people you've got are F. Murray Abraham, uh, Adam DeMarco and where the fuck is he? Michael Imperoli, Imbro- uh, from the Sopranos. Um, they're like, they come to Italy to take their grandfather, who's played by F. Mary Abraham, uh, on to like a like for, like visit his you know roots or whatever Sicilian roots or whatever the, the hell's going on. Um, so you've got like the father, the son, and then the the, the son son. So it's like these three generations of this family. Um, the father, the middle aged one, played by uh, Michael Ipoli. Ipoli. Uh, he is like sort of a sex addict and um sort of having trouble with his wife because of this and his father and his son are very much aware of this and the issues and stuff like that um adam meets this girl played by if i can find her uh hayley lou richardson um he's really really good i haven't seen her in anything before that i could think of um but she's really really good in this and probably one of the standouts that um at least for me so far um and they sort of form a bond she's there as the assistant to jennifer coolidge's character who is there with a husband and then proceeds to just tell her assistant to like stay in her room and do nothing this entire time while she's in italy because you know that's what rich people apparently think is totally acceptable um and then you've got uh megan uh megan Faye and uh fuck where's the rest of the people uh Theo Theo James they're a couple and they're there on a like couple date trip with Audrey Plaza and Will Sharp um their relationship's a bit weird it seems like they're so Audrey Plaza and Will Sharp are very like a little bit of friction on between them Uh, is their relationship okay we don't really know um all these sorts of things meanwhile Theo James and um Megan Faye's relationship is very much like so over the top happy that you think there must be something sort of going on in the background and there may or may not be so um they're sort of all working on that um and then there's a few other characters you've got these two characters played by i don't know if you can find their names like two uh local i can't find them fast enough but there's two local um like uh prostitutes that sort of bump into all the characters because they're trying to get like make money off the the rich people at the hotel and like um that sort of thing that's going on there and then it's like a another story happening with the another main character similar to the first season is you follow the like head of the hotel this time it's played by uh sabrina impasticor impasitor i can't sorry valentina but she's like got her whole thing where she's a very like strict uh manager and trying to like run this place properly and 
whatever else. But she also seems like she has no like love in her life. And the first time someone says something nice to her, she's like, oh, like it's just yeah. So they're really interesting characters. It's shot very very well. It's got that the exact same sort of thing that made the first season so good, which is just the writing and just it's just like completely engrossing to watch. Even though you don't like, there's no way to describe the story. It's just like there's little things happening consistently, but it's just so entertaining, so well written, and I mean that's why it was Emmy nominated. I'm sure this season will continue to be Emmy nominated because it's just as good, if not better, than the first season. So, um, and much like the first season, it starts with a scene where these people are sitting at a beach and a couple bodies wash up on the water and then you like it, then it does a whole like one week earlier so you're like what's going to happen because the first season started with someone taking a body on a yep. boat uh, on a plane, a plane home yeah. yep and then trying to go out figure out what happened there so yeah but very 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 good white ice is great all right uh so i watched the new film she said so this is a adaptation of the story about the two New York uh, Times reporters Jody Cantor and Megan Toomey, uh, who broke the story of Harvey Weinstein's uh, series of sexual abuse and misconduct against women. Um, yeah, and it kind of follows how they got on the story, how they slowly tried to get uh, different people to go on the record to talk about the what Harvey Weinstein was doing. Um, it's good. There's a lot of great performances, um, but there is an element of formulaicness to, to it, and it also doesn't help that it's a story that kind of we know, we kind of know what Harvey Weinstein did and how much he did it, um, but it is still hard to watch and like powerful to see these women re- like open up and recount the events that happened to them. Uh, but that is a large portion of the movie, like these women telling one of these reporters what happened to them. Um, sure there's some like there's some like celebrity-esque moments where you've, they're talking about different big name celebrities that uh, they could talk to they've got they have like a someone play Rose McGowan like voice uh, over the phone and Gwyneth Paltrow but then a- Ashley Judd's also in the movie as herself um, which is interesting um, but yeah I mean it's a enjoyable like it's a hard to watch but very well made um doc journalist uh movie um but you know if you're expecting this to be spotlight it's not spotlight you know um yeah i also appreciate andre brower plays the editor in chief i guess of the new york times and he is like he he's very good at breaking tension throughout them he's deployed in a way to break tension throughout the movie where he just he just gives no shits about anything. Uh, like Harvey Weinstein's people are trying to, uh, like shit talk around and waste their time and that kind of stuff. And he's just like, I've got a meeting to go to. Uh, I'm going to hang up now. And he's just saying, you know, got he, Andre Bauer elicited many laughs in my audience. Um, which kind of broke the, the general silence of everybody <laughs> listening, uh, to all these traumatic events being recounted. Um, yeah, it, it's it's good. I think some of this criticism I've seen has been about it not being very well directed, and it, I guess it's not the showiest movie. It's kind of very... It just does what it needs to do, but it's it's not exactly a story that you want to have super showy uh, dictatorial movements or camera angles and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It, it's definitely an acting movie, uh, which, you know, Zoe Kazan, Carrie Mulligan... 
do very well. Yeah, I just wish they kind of explored they their them as characters a bit more. That was the only thing that I was kind of disappointed by because they're quite interesting, both of them, like young mothers uh, juggling uh, having kids and doing tracking this horrific story and uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would have liked a little bit more of that, but uh, yeah, I would definitely say go check it out. Dylan, you watched uh, Call Jane, a new film come to Prime Video. Um, yeah, so this one is about, uh, it's just like that one of those weird time things, because you watched the, the HBO documentary, didn't The you? Janes, Jane, yeah. Yeah, so it's the same subject matter about this group of um, underground women's movement that sort of when abortions were, <laughs> when they were illegal. Um, in America. <laughs> in America. In, some, in all of America, um, when they weren't yeah. uh, legal. Um, they, like, uh, would have this part where they'd put up posters or whatever else and say, call Jane, you call number, and you'd be able to... They had a doctor who um, was performing these abortions and stuff. So the, the story follows um, the character played by Elizabeth Banks. Uh, so it's, like, it's not based on anyone particular. It's just based on, like, the general... like the general story, the, yeah. The general story, yeah. So you've got this character played by Elizabeth Banks who's, like, this sort of upper-class woman... Um, and you see that when the movie starts and the husband's like a lawyer or some shit like that and these people were like riding and stuff it's like it's a very good opening scene but um so she finds out that she's having like all these heart issues she goes into doctors at the start um it's been caused by her like she's pregnant at the time and they that she actually has like a 50 percent chance to live or less than or something like that so they try to get a um abortion for her own health um and there's this really good scene where she literally sits in a room full of six of her well, white, white, uh, white male doctors who like are all talking around her like as if she's not in the room talking about you know like oh we shouldn't do it like all this sort of stuff and they they just deny her and say like no even though it's like for her own chance to live so mm. eventually she discovers the the Janes and she does the abortion there all the abortion stuff done like really well especially the that's a weird sense to say but yep. the <laughs> it's done really well in that it's like not like sort of glossed over or made to look like it was super glamorous and stuff like the the scene where she has her abortions very silent and it's just played out like it's not graphic or anything it's just um like it's just like because she's also trying to keep quiet so it doesn't alarm anyone living next door to where they're doing it and stuff like that so she doesn't start screaming or whatever else but yeah it's just like played out so in real time not graphically but it is like sort of tense to watch um yeah, I feel like the problem I have with the movie and the thing that I put at start is I feel like the movie is like sort of soft in its tone in that quite often you'll hear these people talk about like, so Sigourney Weaver is the other character in it and she's like playing this person who um, is the leader of the Janes or whatever. And she's constantly talking about, you know, like the mob, we got to give money to them for this. And we've got uh, the cops and there's like, they, like talk, she talks so much about like the high risk of what they're doing, but the way the movie's put together is just, it seems so like carefree and about the whole subject matter. Um, especially after the first, the halfway point when um, Elizabeth Banks starts getting more involved with them. It's just all very like carefree. It just seems like this fun activity <laughs> that she's doing on the side. Like I, I didn't sense any sort of like secrecy or terror or like any of these. So this one scene where she does like a secret knock, but that's it sort of like glossed over. So I think that and the fact that the movie just, the way it ends, it seems to be like, yeah, we had this like sort of carefree nature to it because it's supposed to be this celebratory movie about look how far we've come. But then, of course, it's like, well, we haven't really because it's like you've, I, unfortunately, you've released this movie in a time when 
uh, things are getting reverted around, <laughs> or reversed around America. Mm. So it's like very weird to watch. So because of, I think, the combination of those two factors, it just made it not really a, a standout great watch me. I, I didn't feel like it should be taking this carefree attitude towards the subject matter and like having this lighter tone and whatever else. Uh, but that's, I don't know if that's all the fault of the movie because of the current world events, but just how it played out for me. So yeah, I think I got like a six or something. Also on Prime Video, you watched The People We Hate at the Wedding. Yeah, I quite enjoyed this one. So this is a, um, the plot of this one. Hold on, I can't remember the main girl's name. Kristen Bell? No, no, no. One getting married. Holy shit, the medical scores for this are terrible. I got a much higher score. Um, <laughs> uh, Cynthia Day Robinson plays Eloise. So she's, uh, she's the one who's getting married. So the story for this is you've got this fair... Family where uh, Alison Janney plays the mother. Mother, you've got Ben Platt's the son. Uh, Cynthia Addison Robinson's uh, one of the daughters, and then Alice, played by Christian Bell's the other daughter. Um, so Alison Janney, you, you get this quickly explained here in the first like two minutes of the movie. But Alison Janney had uh, her first two kids with, or just one kid, whatever it was. Anyway, with um, one husband, and then of course she goes has another husband um they try and do this like cross-country thing because she had them in the uk she moved back to america that's where ben platt and christian bell grow up away from their other sister who spent like comes over one time a year anyway the family really falls apart they all like don't really talk to each other well no ben platt and christian bell talk to one another but they don't talk to their mother and they don't talk to the other sister and then suddenly they get the invitations to the wedding and they're like fuck it let's go um go get pissed and have a great time or whatever else but i i, I really enjoy that i feel like also i'm a big fan of just christian bell being christian bell which is kind of what this this movie is so that's <laughs> it's like sort of a sucker because it's just it's just christian bell being drunk for half the movie um and just doing that thing that she does she also has a um relationship with what is his name i can't i think it's um fuck i can't find his name i can't remember the dude's name now um, dustin milligan I think is yeah Dennis yeah yeah so he was also in um Shit's Creek uh, Ted Mullins does that ring a bell for you no Ted Mullins Shit's Creek no come on what are you doing? Oh, um I the the um so she has like a on and off again thing with him throughout the movie that I quite enjoyed as well Ben Platt is great in this I've never seen him do this sort of role like he's playing this like he's got this beard on he's just playing like a super sour sort of <laughs> dude. Uh, like almost hates everything. I, I don't know. Like I, I really enjoyed this sort of role for him compared to everything else um, that I've seen him do anyway, especially coming off that fucking movie I'm going to refuse to watch because I cannot treat him like a fucking, what is it supposed to be 16 in Dare Evan Hansen? I'm never watching that movie. I can't like yeah. that. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed him in this. Alison Janney's really, really great. She's great in everything else, but yeah, I don't know. I, um, I quite enjoyed it. I laughed a lot. I really, really did laugh out loud a lot but maybe i'm just a sucker for a few people in this but yeah this the reviews i'm saying i haven't looked at scores since the reviews dropped they're all over the place fucking collider's got 75 and then some places like the guardian have a 20 jesus Christ. yeah some people do when the laugh people fuck <laughs> uh so i've been watching the first uh handful of episodes of mythic quest season three uh which is releasing on apple tv plus of course uh i guess slightly spoilers for the previous seasons but obviously season two ends with uh poppy and iron deciding to leave mythic quest to start building their own game uh so that's kind of where it opens up this season they've all kind of been separated for a year um everybody's kind of gone in their own directions uh or at least poppy and 
Ironed have uh, working on uh, their new game, Hera, uh, for their new studio called Grim Pop. Um, yeah, and people are very excited about it. It kind of goes from there. They've got this very weird office that I'm sure you've seen in the trailers, uh, which is purely so just a weird white aesthetic with like a lot of screens and projectors and uh, weird stuff. Uh, but then the big kicker at the end of the epi- first episode, I'm going to uh, spoil. Um, I don't think it's a massive spoiler, but it's it's very amusing. Uh, so they go visit the guys at Mythic Quest for a get a reunion party thing. Uh, and they're like, oh, we should do this again. And they go down the elevator uh, and they walk out at a different floor and that's where their office is. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, so they're in the same building. <laughs> they haven't seen each other for ages. They haven't seen each other for a year, so. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Good times. I'm really enjoying it so far. They found a way to bring Danny Pewdie back into the mix, which is really good. Um, they fired him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is it janitor now? Some shit in the trailer? Is that what, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. He got out on good, good <laughs> on parole after his... Uh, and somehow gets hired back as a janitor at the same company. Yeah. For cult diversity reasons. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And then another big plot thread is uh, that they're going to make a Mythic Quest movie. Uh, so, you know, uh, David is kind of, uh, in charge of trying to put that together on top of running Mythic Quest. So, yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. Of course, Mythic Quest, great TV series. Uh, yeah, you should go check it out on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, Dylan, you went and watched a couple of, you've got a weird mix of movies that you've watched. Uh, so you, you watched Freaky. Is this the first time that you watched Freaky? No, I rewatched it. Okay. I think I've talked about it before, but I'll talk about so. it quickly again because I highly suggest watching it. It's a movie in which Vince Vaughn plays a serial killer and then they do the Freaky Friday plot where yeah. um gets switched out with um fuck I can't remember the actress's name. But um she's about to be Lang or whatever. She's about to be Cassie Lang. Daughter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the I can't remember the actress's Cass- name? Uh Catherine Noon. Catherine Newton, yeah. So Catherine Newton, yeah. So Vince Vaughn gets put in Catherine Newton's body, and then Vince Vaughn's like Catherine Newton's character is put in Vince Vaughn's body. They have twenty four hours if we go house switch. So you get to watch Vince Vaughn pretending to be a teenage girl, which is quite funny. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then you watch The Social Network. Great movie. Uh, yep. So I was sitting there one night uh, with Sheree and was like talking about Twitter. I was like, you know what should we watch tonight? Social Network. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty yeah, much the uh, same. Well, she hasn't seen. Well, she she hasn't seen. Yeah, she hasn't seen it before. So I was like, wait, she hasn't watched the Social Network. No, she hasn't. Watched, she hadn't watched the Social one Network. of the best movies of the last uh, of this millennia. Like you can talk about when not watching things. Listen, just because I haven't seen the Green Mile, I mean, throwing stones in a glass house over here. So yeah, I was like, just yeah, with everything going on Twitter, let's watch a movie about like social media. <laughs> let's watch the Social Network. Let's watch the mo- yeah. let's watch the movie about the birth of social media. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was quite good. Again, still good movie. Obviously, Dave Fincher. Uh, and then you there. watched Turbo. Yep, that was with Cooper. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. Um, it's about for people that know it's a snail. I don't know who, what studio it is. What studio is it? DreamWorks. It is DreamWorks Animation. Yeah, where's and fucking Turbo? Like when Turbo they're, they're... has been snubbed. Yeah, snubbed. man, I would fucking put Turbo in there and some of those other characters. Um, yeah, so it's about the style. I think it's voiced by Brian Reynolds or some shit. It is Brian um, Reynolds, yeah. 
Yep, there you go. Um, it's about the snail who wants to be a, a rally car driver, but of course snails go slow, and that's the whole joke. And then one night he like sneaks off and he like um, gets sucked up into a, a V8 engine or some shit. And then they're like fast and furious racing. Yeah. And the dude presses he gets infused with nitrous oxide. <laughs> yeah. So then he can go super fast. Uh, <laughs> um, and then he meets like a dude who's voiced by like the uh, fuck. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he meets this dude who's running this like burrito shop or whatever, Takayo van thing. And then he like Michael Payne. Yeah, that's it, my companion. And then they, uh, he's like realizes the potential of the snail, so they set out on a road trip to get him, uh, to let him race in the, the like a uh, Daytona, Daytona two thousand or whatever. Yeah, it's fun. It's fine. Like it's, it's like there's nothing like stand out about it. Like it was, it was perfectly fine. It's fine. It's a fine movie, but it's also a dunk concept. <laughs> a very it's silly a concept. It is a very silly concept. The fact that the snail is racing against cars is the <laughs> yes, fucking. Okay. Uh, I've been watching So Help Me Todd, a new series on Paramount uh, Plus, uh, in which uh, Skylar Aston, that people would probably know from uh, Pitch Perfect movie, uh, Pitch Perfect, uh, plays uh, the son of a lawyer played by uh, Marsha Gay Harden. He is a private detective uh, who can't work as a private detective anymore because he got his license stripped previously. Uh, who is between jobs, uh, his uh, lawyer mother gets him a job at her law firm to work as like a investigator uh, for the law firm. So every, it's, it's very much a mystery of the week show uh, where they've got a different case and he has to try and help solve what the case is about. Uh, and he always finds a way to make it more interesting than they initially think it's going to be um, and finds weird and wacky ways to like kind of... Uh, get justice for these people and get these, you know, stop them from being arrested and shit. So, um, I really enjoy it. It's got that like psych vibe that I'm, that I'm really enjoying. And this is a fun family dynamic where, you know, um, Marsha Gay Harden has, was, uh, the, her first husband died, uh, when Scarlett Aston's characters was like 18 or something. So she kind of buried herself into work and he kind of holds a grudge against her for, you know, not being there, to help him grieve and get through the final years of high school and that kind of stuff. Um, and then the first episode opens with her second husband disappearing. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of stuff happening, uh, on top of There's a lot of, uh, serialized elements on top of the mystery of the week kind of thing. So yeah, I'm really enjoying. So help me Todd, you know, it's a great title as well. It also helps that his name is Todd. That would it would be really bad if it wasn't. It would be Tyler for <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah. Alright, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh Dylan, you finished watching The Midnight Club. Yeah, it was um it was good. I didn't love it. I definitely feel like it's the weakest and like Franken thing so far. But he doesn't direct I think he directs like one or one. Or if any of the episodes, like he just like wrote it or whatever. Um, but I feel like the problem is so. Have I talked about this? But the concept for people who don't know is obviously so it's a bunch of people who are at a um, uh, fuck, what's it called? The place where you go to die. <laughs> Jesus, I can't remember what they called. Um, but they've all got like different, you know, de- degrees of diseases or whatever else. These kids like from cancer to anything else, and they meet up at midnight and they 
uh, they tell stories. And when they tell the stories, they're like little mini short horror films that are happening throughout the, the thing. And I feel like because of that, the pacing just quickly becomes all over the place. So you'll be like wanting to, and you'll be wanting to know more what's happening in the, the actual world. And then you have to spend 20 minutes watching this other story. Now, most of the time, what's happening in these characters' stories does relate back to them in real life. Like they're, they're saying something that they won't actually admit to, or they're talking about like their feelings in some sort of way. Like, I totally get that, but yeah, I feel like that was just my sort of problem over a 10, 12, whatever episode series that eventually, maybe for the first bit it wasn't bothering me, but eventually I was like, oh no, I feel like this is the, the pacing is just a bit weird with everything that's going on here. So um, but yeah, it was, it was okay out of 10. It was okay out of 10. Uh, okay. And then you also watched the first couple of, a uh, couple episodes of Gilmar del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the two I've watched. As, I think I only watched two, but yep. um, I've enjoyed the, the the two I've watched so far. They're, they're obviously short stories. They're, they're like an hour, I think. But yeah, it's just if you enjoy short form anthology horror stuff, then I feel like then they're always going to be hit and miss. And so far, the two I've watched, I've enjoyed the first one is Tim Blake Nelson getting like having some weird shit happen as he buys out. He's one of those dudes who like try and buy out... Um, you know, lockers where they sell them off and people have like not come and pay them or whatever else and they sell them off and he tries to like find rare things and then he discovers some weird voodoo shit going on there. And then the second one is about this girl who really, really wants to be in some college, you know, what what do they call them? Like a sorority sort of thing. And uh, these girls play a prank where, well, not prank, they do this thing where they're like, oh, you have to get into this, uh, you have to get into this, casket and we're going to bury you and you have to stay there the whole night and then once they bury her they joke like oh we'll actually get her out like apparently they're supposed to get her out but then it starts raining so they like run off and they're like well come get get her back in the morning it'll be totally fine but of course everything isn't totally fine and um it sort of goes from there so i've enjoyed both so far yeah all right i watched uh the new documentary fifa uncovered which follows uh fifa the massive you know football soccer governing body uh, and exploring how corrupt they are, or theoretically are, <laughs> um, dating back from like the very early days of FIFA and kind of explaining how FIFA originated and kind of at what points did, you know, they suddenly, it start to get a little bit corrupt. And it's definitely the point in which, you know, uh, they started selling rights to the World Cup. <laughs> so like the sponsorship and that kind of stuff, that was kind of the turning point uh, where, you know, there was a lot, uh, I think it's, I think it's Adidas or like the people behind Adidas, like, um, became the major sponsor and we're like paying off the president of FIFA to like secure the rights to the world cup every single four years. Um, and then, you know, then you eventually get Sepp Blatter in charge of FIFA. Uh, and you know, there's other reports of corruption around that uh of course another major sticking point is the world cup bids of both russia and qatar uh which kind of makes it timely um of course russia not really being the preferred option for that year and then qatar just no nobody thought that qatar should have uh won the world cup bid uh even to this day uh even to this week which you know the world cup's happening and you see all this stuff happening into the fan camps and that kind of stuff uh, with all the corruption and um, 
the them just not having any infrastructure to hold a World Cup prior when they made the initial announcement for the the bid or whatever. Uh, kind of exploring, <laughs> kind of explaining how the, some of the corruption happens, uh, mainly revolving around uh, a guy called Jack Warner who was uh, head of the Caribbean section of uh, countries uh, who voted on like uh, the presidency every four years or whatever they hold the FIFA presidency and how the the rumors for corruption and that kind of stuff and how uh, because regions like Africa have more actual individual companies countries their whole uh, continent has more votes than someone like South America who only have like eight or nine countries in South America which is a fact that blew my mind I thought there were way more than that uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah I thought it was really interesting. They do give a right of reply to... They do have interviews with Sepp Blatter and the head of the Qatar bid. uh, And they kind of, you know... They try their best to, like, uh, explain different things and whether there's corruption or not. But, yeah. It's definitely... It's definitely very a pretty fair documentary. But you know which side it kind of lands on. Because, you know, several people have been found uh, to have been corrupt. Like it, the it, truth always stands out. It does. I mean, they did have a massive raid of FIFA uh, back in 2018, I want to say, by the FBI or CIA, whichever one it is, uh, disclosing a lot of their corruption. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know, if you want to get in the mood for the FIFA World Cup, that's what, this is the thing to watch, I guess. <laughs> Very timely. Uh, so, yeah. That's everything I watched history. Let's uh, move into some film news. Uh, and kind of the biggest news that broke in the last week was that uh, Bob Chapek, uh, who's CEO of Walt Disney Company since uh, twenty February 2020, has stepped down from his position effective immediately with predecessor Bob Iger returning to the post once more. Well, Chap- Chapek's tenure at the co- mega company has been riddled with controversy. There's no denying that this announcement and its timings is seemingly bizarre. Uh, so according to a report from the rap, this has, was all because the company wanted Chapik, Chapik gone as soon as possible. Speaking to insiders on the matter, the decision reportedly came down to Disney's increasing debt and plummeting profits, all of which were overseen by the former parks executive. In addition to acquiring over $48 billion in long-term debt tied to the acquisition of 20th Century Fox, Disney has experienced a massive dip in stock price since January of this year. It has dropped by 41% through Throughout 2022, with profits only increasing by 20 cents per share uh, on a revenue stream of $20.15 billion. In simple terms, Disney became wildly less profitable uh, under Chapik's management, and it appears they will be course correcting as quickly as possible. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this news when it broke this week? Very weird and out of nowhere, kind of. Wild. I was on those news stories that I saw on Twitter and had to make sure it was a double blue tick account. You know? So. <laughs> Um, had to get yeah, off I mean, Twitter to confirm it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy because I think I remember at some stage talking about on here how I really enjoyed the Bob Iger book, which was all about him. Like he put that out obviously after he retired and talked about his whole Disney journey and you know all these sorts of things. And mm. it's just crazy. <laughs> I was like thinking about that book again, like um, after this, and just because the way it's written is very much like moving on to the next chapter of my life, retirement, um, <laughs> you know, like uh, for him to come back out. It, I mean, 
you, it has to be bad to be like our course of action is to pull our previous CEO out of retirement to to um, to steer the ship here is is absolutely wild. So things must be bad, bad, bad over there. Uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, what like just getting you in so quickly is very out of the norm, from what I understand. Uh, so you know he definitely. Uh, well, he's well loved there, like as a CEO. Like. Yeah, Bob Iger is obviously well loved, and like yeah. obviously he had a long tenure. Um, yeah. But to get rid of the previous CEO and they just have the other guy come in like immediately is very uncommon yeah. um, in business. Uh, probably a really, it's a little bit harsh, <laughs> you know, considering the state of the industry. Uh, and obviously, we just you know had a pandemic the last two years that Disney uh, would. And we've got massive inflation and that kind of stuff. Why Disney Woods profits wouldn't necessarily be as high as they once were. Uh, but on the other hand, nearly every other entertainment company like had a bit of a surge because nobody was doing anything but staying at home and watching so. watching stuff. So um, I think there was a lot of... Uh, apparently, I read somewhere Bob Iger had been criticizing like every single move that he'd been making in the last few years like to other like other insiders in the company. Um, like creative decisions. I think somewhere like none of the creative pro- uh, projects that he was, he was uh, Bob Chappick was in charge of have like made very good returns. Um, I mean, you only have to look at uh, a strange world or strange worlds, whatever it's called. That movie's out. That that movie came out uh, yeah. and is set to be a massive bomb uh, because. Uh, I don't think anybody's actually heard about it or knew it was coming out. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like, it's kind of crazy that, you know, obviously a person who's making, if any other company was making that kind of money, <laughs> he would be hailed as a hero. But you know, if you're making a return of 20 something billion dollars every single year, like that would be pretty impressive, but you know, is Disney. So you have to be doing more. And of course there was like kind of all that, uh, controversy around, uh, the don't, gay bill, don't say, don't gay, say gay, bill. gay bills and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, very interesting story though. Can you see um, what starts happening? I mean, he's already started shuffling people around and moving people out of positions and stuff. So, yeah, I think like he's straight. It's like this isn't a slow. He's like all right, straight to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this story. Uh, the horror world has had a bombshell dropped on it recently and it's reve- when it was revealed that Jason Blum's Blumhouse Productions and James Wan's Atomic Monster are looking to join forces. Uh, the House of Paranormal Activity built and the production company founded by the guy who made the Conjuring universe happen are in advanced merger talks. Have you heard about this? Yeah, I'm all about it. I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, James Wan, James Wan's, like, the majority of his, like, all his stuff comes through there anyway, so, um, and James Wan's love uh, like he's always going to be in horror movies i don't really care if he's off doing a fast and furious or a aquaman like he's true love his horror film so mm. i mean he likes really pushing the boundaries and like exploring that genre more and jason blum likes producing stuff that is in all forms of horror like he's not like it's not like a let's i only produce like really fucked up gory shit or like i only produce you know like blumhouse does have a very wide gambit and like, he likes taking risks on smaller directors and you know shit like um i mean you wouldn't have um 
fuck paranormal activity you know like that's blumhouse and you know all these other like like the yeah so i think they're both people from a production company and then director like james wan really like reignited a certain thing within horror with insidious and um even with saw back in the day like he's someone who's always sort of um re- reignited different genres of horror and blum blumhouse always produces like different movies that come out and like ignite these different passions of horror so i think it's a perfect partnership i i'm a, I, I think it's a good idea yeah, I think, you know, it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, uh, you know, as as the reports I've read have been like, Jess Bombs himself has said, he's like 80% businessman, 20% creative, and James Wan's kind of the other way around. Uh, so them working together makes a lot of sense because James Wan's obviously someone who's got a ton of different ideas. Obviously, you just look at the different projects that he's like had his hands in. Um and obviously, he's been super successful. Like, Saw is like one of the biggest franchises of all time. Insidious, uh, uh, The Conjuring is arguably one of the biggest. I think it in the article that I just read, it's a uh, The Conjuring is the biggest multivert like uh, universe outside of uh, yeah. the Marvel absolutely. universe. So, because yeah. they've uh, had like Annabelle, the Nun, like all these like multiple spinoffs and stuff. So. So yeah, so to have him come over and work with uh, Jason Blum at Blumhouse, put their things together, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, it it would back the only one who kind of loses in this deal is Warner Brothers, who obviously obviously had a pretty close relationship with Jason Wan uh, with a lot of his projects uh, because you know uh, Universal have a first look deal with Blumhouse Productions, so uh, if they they would have first pick as to whether they want to distribute their yeah, I think that's just yeah. business. And I feel like this that's is just that business. Like yeah. this this isn't like Microsoft buying Activision. This is just I no. think this is just a this is a fine business thing. But yeah, uh Blumhouse Productions could just become the biggest name in it would definitely be it would be the, the biggest, biggest name in horror. In horror. Biggest name yeah. in like uh mainstream horror, I guess as well. That's yeah. the, the key thing, yeah. Uh yeah. So that's interesting uh, so this past week, we got the nominations for this year's independent, uh, Film Independent Spirit Awards, uh, which are set to uh, be revealed on March 4th. Uh, of course, this is the first year in which uh, all acting categories are uh, lumped together without... Uh, first year they copied us. Without genders, you know. Yeah. Well, not really, because, you know, there's no comedy and drama categories well still they tried they spied uh, but the nominees for best feature film at the independent spirit awards uh bones and all everything everywhere all at once our father the devil tar and women talking uh best directors uh tar uh todd field for tar kogan koganada for after yang daniel kwan and daniel shirt for everything everywhere all at once sarah polly for walking talk women talking and helena harajan for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Nominees for Best First Feature are After Sun, Emily the Criminal, The Inspection, Murina, and Palm Trees and Paralines. Uh, best Lead Performance nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Dale Dickey for A Love Song, Mia Goth for Pearl, Regina Hall for Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Paul Mescal for After Sun, Aubrey Plaza for the em- Emily the Criminal, Jeremy Pope for The Inspection, Taylor Russell for Bones and All, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Supporting Performance nominees are Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Brian, T- Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, 
Nina Hospital, Brian Darcy James for The Cathedral, Ki Hu Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Trevante Rose for Bruiser, Theo Rossi for Emily the Criminal, Michael Ry- Mark Rylance for Bones and All, Jonathan Tucker for Palm Trees and Power Lines, Gabriel Union from The Inspection. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on the Independent Spirit Award nominees? Uh, Megoff getting nominated is cool. <laughs> That's the standout to me. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched Pearl yet, but obviously. Same. Like, really like X. Um, yeah. Otherwise, a lot of stuff I haven't watched, but it sounds good. Yeah. Really interesting. It's good to see everything everywhere all at once getting a bunch of nominations. You know, that makes me happy and gives me hope that, you know, it could, you know, make a, a Academy Award run. Um, but yeah, it's hard to say because obviously, la- I think last year, all the big uh, best feature, best male lead and best female lead, none of them were nominated, <laughs> the winners. Uh, so, yeah, lots of- what I appreciate about this nominee list is it just lists a bunch of films that, you know, I need to make sure to watch at some point in the future. <laughs> Uh, which is always helpful, and you know, uh, I feel like the Independent Spirit Awards are like one of the f- more fun award ceremonies of the year. So yeah, Quentin Tarantino found himself in the news this week after decrying the marvelization of Hollywood. Uh, so, uh, talking on the Two Bears One Cave podcast, Tarantino spoke about the marvelization of Hollywood and how Marvel's output is driven by IP rather than star power. Part of the marvelization of Hollywood is you have all these actors who have become famous playing these characters, but they're not movie stars, right? Captain America is a star, or Thor is a star. I mean, I'm not the first person to say that. I think that it's been said a zillion times, but it's like, you know, the, it's these franchise characters that become the star. Uh, yeah. So by Tarantino's def- definition, are actors like Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans movie stars? In his view, they're more ambassadors of IP than Marky draws themselves in the classic Hollywood sense. Uh, though the Pulp Fiction director classifi- clarified, I'm not even putting them down, frankly, to tell you the truth, but that is the legacy of the novelization of Hollywood movies. Dylan, do you think Marvel movie actors are Hollywood stars? Or does Holly- do Hollywood stars even exist anymore? No. He's, he's 100% right, and I don't know why anyone's, like, getting upset by it. Um, people have been showing this clip where, um, uh, what's it called? Mackie, uh, is said the same thing a couple of years ago, and he's in these movies, so. Like, uh, it's not a hot take at all, it's just, it's, I think it's just the truth. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, reading it in context. It makes a lot of sense. I just feel like anybody who sees any, like, director who's not directly involved in Marvel, like, attacking Marvel movies in any way. They get stopped, just, yeah. yeah. they get, uh, they get trashed. Uh, of course, out. it doesn't help that Simu Liu came out and said, with comments, uh, saying, if only the gay, if on- the only gatekeepers to Marvel start- movie stardom came from Tarantino and Scorsese, I would never have had the opportunity to lead a $400 million plus movie. Uh, I'm in awe of their filmmaking genius. They are transcendent auteurs, but they don't get to point their nose at me or anyone. Uh, I I disagree with what he's saying in this case, because I don't, I don't feel like the comment of there's no more movie stars means that we still couldn't, like we could have got like in a world 
where the MCU and superhero movies hadn't taken over, you could still get to a world where actors are still, like Hollywood stars are still there, but we've progressed to a not fully white Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like you mm. can have your, your cake and eat it there too. So I don't feel like you have to have the MCU superheroization to get to a world where we, he can star in a movie that's that expensive. I don't feel like that goes hand in hand or needs to necessarily. Yeah, I think you know he, that was a little bit, you know, probably a bit uh, short-sighted his comments that way, um, and uh, impulsive, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it, this, this is a story that's kind of been been a mountain of a molehill, I guess. Uh, yeah, last story. <laughs> uh, so we all remember Winnie the Pooh: Blood and Honey, uh, a trailer that was dropped earlier this year. Uh, which horrified many Disney fans uh, when they saw the beloved childhood characters Winnie the Pooh and Piglet appearing in a gory slasher film. Uh, well, apparently director Reese Frack Waterfill has already lined up his next project. Uh, the team behind the 100 Acre Woods set exploitation film are preparing to repeat that formula with another childhood classic, Bambi. Felix Satin's 1923 novel Bambi, A Life in the Woods, has entered public domain and Frack Waterfield is set to produce a horrifying take on the story titled Bambi The Reckoning. Uh, interview with Dread Center announcing the project, the film's director revealed that the horror film is partially inspired by David Bruckner's The Ritual. The film is an incredibly dark retelling of the 1928 story we all know and love. Finding inspiration from the design used in the, the Netflix's The Ritual, Bambi will be a vicious killing machine that lurks in the wilderness. Prepare for, prepare for Bambi on rabies. Uh, Dylan, does that sound like an exciting project to you? Uh, not really, but I, I'm I'm all about this, to be honest. I, I, I've spoken out before that I, I think more things should enter the... I like when stuff enters the public domain. I think that's something... I think old stuff should... I like the public domain as a, a source. I like the fact that stuff can enter the public domain. People don't have to pay money to be able to... Like, it, it helps with costs, especially with upcoming independent filmmakers and all these sorts of things, like having a, a source material to draw from that you really want to adapt or something like that, or having music you can, you can draw from that's in the public domain, like... All these sorts of things, I, 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 I don't really care. Like, whether the movie's good or bad, uh, whatever, I don't care. Like, go ahead. What's the matter? What's it, who's it hurt? That, that, that Winnie the Pooh movie looked terrible. This will probably be terrible. I don't care. Whatever. I mean, yeah, I guess it doesn't hurt anybody if you make it, but it definitely feels like a bit of a cash grab, you know what I mean? Like, oh, we'll just make this horror movie that will make, grab headlines, especially that we know that the other one that we built on another... It's not like, really a cash grab. I feel like it's a... It, and it, it feels it's a, it's a like, cynical it's move a, to... Uh, it's trying to get attention. Yeah. It's so a, what? Yeah. You're in a business. You're trying to make money. You know what I mean? I guess. You know, but so then you're, you're talking about artistry and people wanting to adapt it in a certain way. It just feels very cynical. You know? Yeah. I like it. I like when stuff's in the public domain eventually because then people can do whatever they want. Whereas when it's not, there's like you have to get permission, you got guidelines and stuff, and then stuff yep. hits the public domain. People go ham, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah, it just feels it feels cynical, and then now somebody else who would really have liked to and had a better idea can't do a horror take on Bambi. I don't think. Why not? Because then they would automatically be compared and cl- uh, yeah. uh, said they're ripping off this other project. Majority of people will never hear hear this movie, or oh, and forget about it six months after it's out. I don't know. So that really think yeah. I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, yes, so that's all the news for this week. Let's move into giving some th- some thumbs to trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about in the show notes below or by going to explosion.com and uh, checking out the What Do You Want to Watch podcast feed over there. Uh, first trailer for this week is Inside, directed by Vasilius Katsupis, uh, starring William Dafoe. A high-end art thief becomes trapped in a luxury high-tech penthouse in New York's Times Square after his heist doesn't go as planned. Locked inside with nothing but priceless works of art, he must use all his cunning and in- invention to survive. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Inside? Double thumbs up. Looks fantastic. William Dafoe uh, just going absolutely full Dafoe. I don't know if that's a term, but it is now. Full Dafoe. Wild. <laughs> Can't wait, it looks really, really good. I like these types of movies, these like single alone thriller sort of things. Yeah. I'm all about it. Double thumbs up. Uh yeah, this is actually two thumbs up for me. I think it's a well put together trailer. It's an interesting setup uh of this like person who steals high end art, uh getting trapped in this high end, high security penthouse, uh, and not being able to get out anyway. All the water's gone, all the electricity's gone. Uh, how's he going to survive? He's it's cast away, but it's like if there's a bunch of people around him, <laughs> you know. It is it's yeah, it's such a weird dichotomy and like uh, that element of it as well. But then it's also somebody who really appreciates art and uh, has a love for it, but you know needs to destroy it to keep himself alive, like to a certain extent, uh, or to to keep himself alive or to keep him sane, you know. Um, and it just seems like Willem Dafoe was like the perfect piece of casting for this. Um, it looks like it's going to be the lighthouse, but without <laughs> without Robert Pattinson. What if the lighthouse happened, but it's just Willem Dafoe, but in a pe- New York penthouse? What's wrong with Robert Pattinson in that movie? No, just no, nothing. It's just there's no one else there to keep Willem Dafoe sane. So you don't like my cooking? <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs> I see that pigeon is still alive. I'm like <laughs> the seagull. True, good point. Not by choice, but <laughs> uh, so Inside is coming to US cinemas on 10th of March, 2023. There is currently no confirmed Australian release date. Uh, next trailer we've got The Recruits, created by Alexi Hawley, starring Noah Centineo, uh, Artie Mann, Daniel Quincy Ano, Von D. Curtis Hall, Christian Brune. Laura Haddock, Colton Dunn, and Fievel Stewart. A fledging CIA lawyer gets caught up in a dangerous game of international politics when a former asset threatens to expose the nature of her relationship with the agency unless they clear her name. Tell them what you think of the trailer for the recruit. Um, I want to double thumbs up. I really don't like the casting and everything. Like, like the dude from um um fuck, what's the movie? The Netflix movie. Black Adam. The- All the boys. <laughs> All the boys, that's one thing. Um, yeah, he's casting, like, when I saw the poster and the synopsis, I was like, this is a bit weird and nothing else. But I don't know, I felt like the trailer was really well put together. Maybe the show's terrible, but the, the trailer at least was good. So I'm going to double thumbs up. Yeah, this is two thumbs up from me as well. Uh, it, it looks like it's a fun time, obviously, from the guy behind the shows like The Rookie uh, and, like, he wrote for the Castle and that kind of stuff. So I'm expecting, like, a similar kind of tone. Um, it seemed like a perfect casting for Noah. Like, he seemed, you know a young actor, uh, a young person, you know, uh, just getting into the CIA and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it looks like an opportunity for him to showcase a lot of the charm that we saw in the 
all the boys movies uh and kind of the what's the word that they've been using around his performance in black adam i don't know can't remember but yeah uh the dopiness i guess <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this looks good. Looks like it'll be a good time. Just releasing on Netflix on December 16th, 2022. So look forward to that. Uh, next trailer is Missing, directed by Nick Johnson and Will Merrick, starring Storm Reid, Joachim D. Almeida, uh, Ken Leong, uh, Amy Landecker, Daniel Haney, and Nia Long. When her mother disappears while on vacation in Colombia with her new boyfriend, June's search for answers is hindered by international red tape. Stuck thousands of miles away in Los Angeles, June creatively uses all the latest technology at her fingertips to try and find her before it's too late. But as she digs deeper, her digital sleuthing raises more questions than answers. And when June unravels secrets about her mother, she discovers that she never really knew her at all. Dylan, you've watched Searching. Uh, what do you think of the trailer for this spiritual success? Yes. Searching's really, really good. Uh, this looks like searching a bit, like maybe even a little bit better. It looks like the builds upon. The thing that was so good about searching is just the way it keeps the the pace going. Like it's constantly a moving film, like jumping around. Like, and you see that in the trailer with this too. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not very um still, you know, you like mm. jumping into Google Maps and web browsers and images and calling people. And like, it's a very fast paced movie for someone who's sitting at a computer, like searching. So this has a similar feel to that to me. Um, and it was a really, like, it was a proper filler. Like it gets your heart racing. So um, yeah, I really enjoyed searching and this looks to be a, a very fantastic follow up on a similar sort of concept. Um, very keen for this. Double thumbs up. Yeah, this is double thumbs up for me as well. I think, you know, as someone who's not, who did watch searching, this has got me very intrigued. Like, just the you could watch the, searching like, it's not a horror movie it's just a yeah film. it is definitely on my list of things to watch like even after watching this i'm like man i should go back and watch the king searching john Cho's great i should give him a chance uh yeah just the just even the mystery that's kind of unraveling over the course of this trailer um and i guess we kind of get an idea of what happened to her mother but you know maybe it's not because obviously they're raising questions about her the mother in the trailer, so, like, what's she, what's her secrets, uh, and that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, really interesting, uh, I would, I'm looking forward to checking out, so, this is coming to cinemas on January 26th, 2023, will you go see it in cinemas? Yeah, I mean, if it comes to you, I'll go see it in cinemas, yeah. yeah, or would you prefer to watch it on your laptop at home? No, 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 the, the only thing, it, host worked better on a laptop because it was like a, a, a chat call and a, okay. everyone was talking. It was that particular film. Like, uh, no, you should watch Searching on a big screen and what, you should watch everything. Like, these okay. movies, it's fine. It's just host. Okay. Uh, next trailer, White Noise, uh, directed by Noah Bombach, starring Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, Rafi Cassidy, Andre Benjamin, Alessandro Nivola, Jody Turner-Smith and Don Cheadle. College professor Jack Gladney and his family's comfortable suburban life is upended when a nearby chemical leak causes the airborne toxic event, releasing a noxious black cloud over the region that forces the Gladney family to evacuate. So what did you think of the trailer for White Noise? Double thumbs up. That's great. I can't wait. New Noah Bombach, bum, Bombach film. I can't remember how to say his last name. How good. <laughs> I mean, to be completely honest, I'd watched this trailer yet uh, when I wasn't in a rush because I, like, I knew it was a new um, Bombach film. Um, so I'm going to watch it either way. Like, that's a, yeah. like the. There's like a certain. There's like. Sometimes I feel with some movies, or it's, it's directors, because it's funny having this with the whole like, there's no Hollywood uh, 
actors anymore. But at least as far as I'm concerned, there's, like, there's definitely still directors where I'm like, I probably don't even need to, like, there's a few directors where I just, I never even really get excited about watching their movie trailers. I just get excited for their movies, and I don't even need to watch the trailer. Like, it's just, that's yeah. just falling into this category. But what a great trailer. It's a funny trailer. So, um, I got a little chuckle there at one stage, anyway, so just a little under my breath one, but. Uh, I'm gonna give it one up, one down. You're a piece thought, of shit. <laughs> I think it looked fine. You know, it could be very funny, but you know, I just the tone didn't win me over. Uh, and it's probably also being marked against these three really good trailers that I watched before it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to checking it out because uh, his last movie, obviously, Marriage was Story, best movie of the year winner. That's true. Explosionnetwork.com. Well, this movie doesn't have Scarlett Johansson or uh, Laura Dern, so. How does Greta Gerwig both proceed to, now that she's into <laughs> directing, proceed to go off and direct, like, Academy Award nominated movies while still co-star in Academy Award nominated movies, you know? Nepotism. What a woman. Uh, what a woman. <laughs> uh, so, White Noise is releasing in select theaters December 8th. Uh, before a streaming on Netflix from December 30th. Uh, does this fit the criteria of uh, 2020, best of the year? Releases December 30th. Streaming? You won't be able to watch it till December 30th. Uh, uh, but it's in select theaters it, on uh, December 8th. I believe it's before the cutoff, and it, yeah, under the criteria, since it was in cinemas for a week, then yes, it would make the cutoff. Yes. Okay, cool. Even Good if I watched it, yes. The, the, the rule is it has to have had a... Uh, non-limited, non. It's not a limited release. It's just a sh- limit, like non, a not festival. Run. Not festival is the the main yeah thing. Not non-festival, cinema. or like not a one-off. Yeah, yeah, one-off. Like for when this, the main thing is you can't have watched it at a film festival, or I can't have watched a screener, or, or like, you know, a like advanced screening, like anything like, like yeah. any advanced thing. You can't yeah, include. Okay. You got to go by the actual date that real public Australians could have watched it. So yes. Last trailer for the week, Emancipation, directed by Antoine Foucault, uh, starring Will Smith, Ben Foster, and Charmaine Bingua. Uh, Peter, a slave, flees a plantation in Louisiana after he has he was whipped within an inch of his life. He has to outwit cold-blooded hunters and the unforgiving swamps of Louisiana on a torturous journey north. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Emancip- Emancipation? Looks great. I'm not 100 sure if this is black or white, or if it's got like just a really grey tone. That was the only thing that was really annoying me. I couldn't. My brain. Yeah, because some elements look like some of the stuff looks like green or coloured in some way. Yeah. Uh, was that, yeah. It was like sort of making my brain. It was doing that thing where you, my brain's like fighting, trying to work it out, pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it looks really, really good. I mean, Will Smith looks to be putting in a great performance. Um, looks to have been shot well, even if it is in grey or black and white. I'm still outside of it. Yeah. Um. Keen to watch it. Apple TV, right? That's the yeah, so. Yep. Yep. Okay. Looks good. Uh yeah, I'll one give up, it one t- down. By the way. Yeah. yeah. I was one gonna up. give it one up, one down as well. I think, you know, it looks very good. Um, but you know subject matter that's not like very appealing. <laughs> um and I feel like we've had so many similar stories in like recent years about slavery. <laughs> it's like it's a little bit oversaturated, uh, which is a terrible thing to say. I probably, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's kind of material that we've seen 
explored a fair bit. I think the only interesting thing is obviously he joins that the uh, Northern Army, I guess, uh, yeah. to abolish slavery, which you know is a different element, uh, and obviously uh, visually it looks quite interesting. Um, yeah, the the one thing hopefully this movie the one thing it does is it stops people complaining about like Will Smith's career being over. Um, and comparing him to Ezra Miller constantly, which is my major gripe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen. Um, there's been a few. There's a few things lately where, like, yeah, people are grouping together. Anyone who had any, like, you know, charges of rape. Yeah. Next to Will Smith and like other people. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh. Before we end this week's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, let's talk about our What Do You Want to Watch top threes. Definitely in the top three. Uh, the first lot of top threes I want to do this week. Top three movies we want to watch before the end of the year. Uh, of course, our best of the year is coming up. Uh, we're at end of November, so we only got like one month of... Uh, one month left to watch all the stuff that we haven't watched yet. So, yeah. Uh, Dylan, what's your number three? My number three is... Ah! Or Triple R, whatever you call it. That, um... It's on Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it's Netflix. Is it a Netflix movie? Or is it just on Netflix? No, it's on Netflix. It wasn't, like, produced by Netflix. Netflix don't even have the, like, authentic uh, translation rights. Okay. But, yes. You mean subtitles or? No, like the. Dub. The dub. It's not the actual. Yeah. It's I'm not the official original language that it's filmed in. Yeah. I wouldn't watch it in dub though. I'd watch it in. No, it is a dub. The one on Netflix. Oh, I'm not watching it on Netflix then. It's terrible. There's no yeah. other way to watch it as far as. <laughs> in Australia. Okay, removing the movie from this. Well, RRR, Triple R is my number one. You know? Okay. It's a movie that I've seen absolutely everybody talk about yeah. how crazy bonkers and over the top it is. Uh, so it's definitely a one, one I want to check out before the end of the year. If this is the only way that I can watch it, you know, that's fine because sure, some of the language will be off, but you know, I'm just reading the subtitles anyway, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Most people haven't had too many complaints mm. about it, so. Okay. Okay. Yes, the, so, so yeah, I've been reading about it all year. Uh, everyone says it's bonkers. Uh, but it like also says it's good. Like not just hey, this movie's bonkers, but people say it's like bonkers, but actually good. So, um, but yeah, it's just that it's like fucking three, three, you know, three and a half yeah, hours long. Okay. Apparently the credits are really long, so you know, <laughs> got to deal with that. You know that that's off putting. <laughs> uh, so my number three, the worst person in the world. Obviously, an Academy Award nominee earlier this year. Uh, it was a toss-up between that and Drive My Car, both films that I probably feel like I should watch before the end of the year. Is this um, eligible? I thought yeah, this came out in Australia it released Australia in Australia year. 2022. Did it really? I'm pretty sure, just from my yeah. quick research. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously a very highly regarded film. A lot of people really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. I feel like I would vibe with it. So yeah, that's one I want to end watch before the end of the year. <laughs> Uh, Dylan, what's your number two? Number two is the Banshees of the Ocean. Yep. Uh, I try to pick stuff that I could 
feel like I have a chance of watching. So I feel like there's a chance I could this maybe would show up at my cinema or something like that. Like, so but it's definitely coming out Boxing Day. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure it will come out Boxing Day. Yeah, your so, yeah. So I'm I'm hoping I don't get snubbed. So yeah, that was that's that's also part of my picks is to stuff. I, I mean, the solution like, just keep searching for it every single week. The show, mm-hmm. see if the show times pops up. Maybe if I search, like it plays into a factor. Like, man, this movie is really popular. People keep searching for yeah. it once or something. That's just me. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to showcase one of the like Oscar favorites. You know, they usually do show them all, but just Eventually. for a short period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number two is Prey. I haven't. I still have not gone around to watching Prey, which is of course the Predator prequel. I guess movie set in. Uh, early uh native american times uh during the early efforts of colonization uh yeah it's one that i want to watch but just have not gotten around to okay dylan what's your number one my number one's barbarian a movie that a lot of people say is not only fantastic and one of the best movies of the year but also one of the best horror movies of the year um i've not watched a trailer for it i don't really know what it's about i want to continue to be that way i've just heard people say it's really good Mm. So that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Well, hopefully it drops on Disney Plus for you soon. Yeah, fucking. It was on Disney Plus in some countries, I thought. And then it was on yeah. um, HBO Max in America or whatever, I think. Um, it's like different streaming services, different countries. And I'm like, it's neither on Binge or Disney Plus here. I'm just getting fucked in both directions. <laughs> or even on VOD. Just, just like- yeah. If they, if they put it up on iTunes, I'm happy to pay uh, 30 bucks to just buy it and watch it at this stage. I, I just want to watch it. Yes, so that's our first top threes. Second top list of top threes uh, for this week. Top three movies the other should watch before the end of the year. So, Dylan, let me know. What's your number three? My number three for you is a movie I talked about all the way back at the start of the year that I feel like I'm just going to bring back around when we do our awards, and I think you would enjoy too, uh, which is The Fallout. So that was the Jenna Ortega um, Maddie Ziegler movie. Uh, mm, I do remember you talking about this. Uh, about the f- the fallout, as the title says, about these two girls following a school shooting. Um, very good performances. Like, hard subject matter, of course, but um, very well, just like two really good performances, very well written, directed, and everything like that. But, um, yeah, the fact that I thought about this, like, you know, nearly a year later, I think says something. So, uh, yeah, the fallout. All right. Uh, my number three uh, film that you should watch for the end of the year, uh, Bell. So this came out, also came out in January here in Australia. Uh, this is the latest Mamoru Hosoda oh, uh, yeah, that, animated yeah, yeah. film. Uh, possibly the best animated film released this year. Uh, obviously, very visually interesting, uh, a weird uh, story inspired by Beauty of the Beast, but also having a lot of like, uh, a massive social media element to it and like uh, metaverse uh, storylines and plots uh, yeah I definitely recommend I think you get a kick out of it so yeah Bell uh, what's your number two Dylan number two movie we've been talking about recently All Quiet on the Western Front uh, really really good movie I think it's going to be in a lot of people's like talked about best movies list for sure definitely going to be coming up when we get to our top 10 discussions and these sorts of things so uh, it's on netflix well i just said you should watch it but 
since we made this a top three, say it again. You should watch it. <laughs> My number two, Elvis. It's one of the biggest nah, Australian nah, movies of the year. Nah, probably not, eh? One of the biggest mo- Australian movies of the year. Uh, Austin Butler is definitely in the best actor conversation. Um, I think, you know, you, you owe it to yourself to watch Elvis before the of the year. You know? Because it, it's been getting... It does mixed reviews, but, you know, maybe you're on the positive side. Yeah. You Maybe you'll get a kick out of Tom Hanks in that movie. You know? Not based on what I've seen. If you loved... <laughs> You got a kick out of Justin Long's accent. <laughs> Christmas, <laughs> Christmas with the Campbells. You might get a kick out of Tom Hanks as, as Uncle Tom. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Dylan, what's your number one? Number one crossover. I pick Prey for you. Ah, okay. Yeah, good pick. Uh, my number one after Yang. Uh, you know, if you're going to watch Banshees of Inchirin, you've already watched the Batman. You need to watch the other. Uh, Colin Farrell film film from this year Uh, beautifully shot uh, film by uh, Kurganda I want to say off the top of my head Um, just a beautiful little sci-fi film uh, that talks about life and death and robots Uh, that's a Netflix show that is a Netflix show, <laughs> but it also applies here. <laughs> no, there's se- isn't there sex in love, It's title? love, death, and robots, but it sounded so, so yeah. similar. <laughs> yeah. uh, starring Hayley Richardson, who uh, you mentioned before, who I'm sure you actually have seen in a bunch of different stuff. And just not paid attention. Is she in that? No, I don't think I have. Let me bring her She's up. in uh, Split. She's one of the other girls that gets kidnapped. Split. Oh, Split. yeah, like I'm going like to fucking remember in that. She's like one of the other random girls, yeah. Real standout performance. She plays totally the random. best friend of uh, Haley Steinfeld in uh, Under 16 or whatever it's called. No. No. Okay, that's probably... Those were my two yeah, so big, the, the, big the, the two roles, yeah. Sure, I've seen her in stuff. Do I recall seeing her in stuff? No. All right. You know what I recall seeing her in? What? White Lotus Season 2. <laughs> All right, let us know your top three uh, films you want to watch before the end of the year, and give us your top three films that you want us to watch before the end of the year. Probably not going to, but, you know, it's nice to... the thought. It's a thought that counts. Uh, let us know by going to Explosion.com slash Twitter or jump to Discord at Explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, uh, leave us five stars, and you can leave five stars, or just tell people about the show. And... If you really liked this episode, thought it was worth it all, head on to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.